Armchairs No Awakening, episode number 717, Hot Rod Otis. Two Chairs No Waiting is brought to you each week by the folks over at WeaversDepartmentStore.com. Drop by over at Weavers and check out the 2023 wall calendars and other calendars they've got. They're almost gone, so hurry and get yourself one. While you're there, it's still winter time. Head over and check out the Mayberry USA Zip-Up Fleece Jackets. That's right, they have them in gray and red. I'm wearing one right now, and wow, they're awesome. While you're at Weaver's, Sign up for the Weaver's Department Store newsletter and keep up with all the goings-on all around the Andy Griffith Show and Mayberry. And folks, head over to weaversdepartmentstore.com to find all that stuff. Two Chairs No Waiting is also brought to you by donations from listeners just like you. The executive producer of episode number 717 is Mark Copeland and the High Sheriff of Two Chairs No Waiting. That's Rex and Jamie Pinico. So thank you all for supporting the podcast. I really want to thank them. They donate toward the podcast and become producers or high sheriffs or whatever they might be. It depends on how much uh, support you give me. And uh, I want to also thank, while we're talking about it, I want to thank the Patreons over at Patron or the patrons over at Patreon. (laughs) I want to thank them for supporting the podcast as well. I don't mention them by name enough. If you watch the video version, you can see their names scrolling by and I will be mentioning them all by name as time allows. And as I catch up, I've got a lot of people, uh, maybe I ought to start charging more to be a producer. Maybe that's what I need to do, but thanks to everybody who supports this podcast and for all you do to help me be able to afford to do the podcast. And who am I? I'm Alan Newsom, the host of Two Chairs No Waiting. It's great to be here with you and talk about the Andy Griffith Show. This week, we're going to be talking about Hot Rod Otis, as you might have guessed from the title of the episode. Uh, And it is inspired by Randy Turner. Uh, So we're going to listen to his segment, uh, which is a part two of... uh, of a of a segment he's doing about the back lot, the 40 acres back lot where they filmed the Andy Griffith show. Now, if you didn't hear last week's episode, just go back to seven 16 and listen to Randy's report there. And then this will be part two. You don't have to listen to them in order. I don't think it'll matter. So if you missed one, you can go back and pick it up afterwards, but let's go over in here from Randy Turner with this week in Mayberry history. Welcome to This Week in Mayberry History, a report by special correspondent Randy Turner of the Gomer and Cooper Pyle Comic Book Literary Guild of the Mayberry Historical Society. In the last segment, we noted how observant viewers of The Andy Griffith Show can't help but notice that the geography of Mayberry often doesn't seem to make much sense, thanks to it being different than the actual geography of the 40 acres backlot where the exteriors were filmed. Last time, we discussed that the backlot only had five facades that usually served as the homes of people in Mayberry. There was one facade across the street from facades four and five that was not normally used, but did serve as the home of Frank Myers in Mayberry Goes Bankrupt. There were a few other facades on or near the backlot's residential street, such as one not used to the right of facade number five, the Rimshaw House, and another not on but near the residential street that was originally built to be the parsonage that sits to the right of the church. And, of course, there were a couple of farm sets in a different part of the back lot. 
The only other house seen with any frequency was Thelma Lou's house. The exterior of her home is a rarity in that it is a real house that sat right across the street from the studio's back gate. It was not a facade. People actually lived there, with the producers renting out the exterior for the occasional scene. Such a limited number of facades on the residential street of the back lot to use as houses necessarily meant that the same house was often occupied by multiple people, a fact viewers easily notice if they're paying much attention at all. But as we discussed last time, we let that go. If we didn't, we'd have to believe that the entire town of Mayberry consisted of basically just five houses, not counting Frank's house as mentioned and Thelma Lou's house that was a real house not on the 40 acres. When it comes to Andy's house, the show's producers did usually try to make a distinction in facade number four to distinguish when it was supposed to be Andy's house and when it was not. When it was supposed to be Andy's house, a flower trellis was usually hung on the left side of the front porch. So in many of the wide shots, like the caller I referenced last week had mentioned, you'll see that the facade seen in the background of such shots does not have the flower trellis that the Taylor home usually does. So as the caller noted, it looks like Andy had driven somewhere, when in fact, one can see his house just a couple of doors away. That's not supposed to be Andy's house, as there's no flower trellis, and the Taylor house has one. They were not always consistent about this. When Andy showed up after Aunt B and the Ladies' Aid Church Committee had imbibed in it a little too much miracle elixir, the trellis was missing. But it was usually there. And that trellis served a dual purpose. Yes, it helped to make the facade number four look like a different house other than Andy's when it was seen in the background. But it also allowed not much of a backdrop to be needed for the porch scenes shot in the studio on the recreation of the Taylor front porch that was set up there. In the studio shots, the flower trellis hides what we can't see downtown in the distance, as we should be able to if the trellis were not blocking our view. Let me offer one other fun example. As mentioned last time, I usually think of facade number two as the house with the X railing, since an X shape of two by fours on each side of the porch make it easy to spot. Lots of different people are shown to live in this house. My favorite example of that fact, that facades serve as different houses, is in the episode when Otis buys a car. When Barney first goes to Otis's house to secretly observe, Otis lives in the house with the X's. Later, after Barney follows Otis and knows he's inside at a drunken party going on at Charlie Varney's, he tells Andy, the two go to Charlie Varney's house, which is the house with the X's, the same house Otis lived in just a few minutes earlier in the same episode. Rather than move the cameras to another facade, they just put a filter over the camera lens so it would appear to be night. I'm sure they thought, who'll even notice? And even if someone did notice, they thought, who will care? You know, they're absolutely right on that second point. Some viewers do notice, and it's fun to watch for things like that. But who really cares? We gladly suspend their disbelief in exchange for spending some time in Mayberry. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. 
And remember to take care of yourself, to take care of others, and to take Andy's advice and go out there and act like somebody. Uh, thank you, Randy Turner. And if you'd like to make sure you don't miss out on anything that Randy's doing online, send him an email at turnersgrade at gmail.com and he'll let you know what's going on. Great report. I love that. Now, uh, as part of doing that report, I was putting together the photos and getting the photos together so that the people who watch the video version of the podcast can see images of what Randy's talking about. So if you've not ever watched the podcast, maybe that'd be a good reason for you to go watch the video version. Uh, there's links right there on two chairs, no to go see any of the episodes. If you'd like to, anyway, I was going through and picking out things from the, uh, hot rod Otis episode. So I could show you where Barney, where Otis came out and he's staying in that house with the exes, uh, the, the exes on the front porch and uh, going through there. But I started looking at all the fun stuff that happened during that episode. And if you'll remember in Hot Road Otis, now it is episode number, let's see, number, it was aired number 114. So that's the one we'll go with. It was aired number 114. It came on on February the 17th, 1964. It was written by Harvey Bullock, our friend, Harvey Bullock, and uh, directed by Earl Bellamy. Now, again, so Otis... Uh, comes in the courthouse and, <laughs> and Barney and Andy are playing uh, cards. And so when they come in, you know, Otis is already kind of tipsy. He comes walking in and says, what are y'all playing? And he says, they say, Andy says, Jen, he says, thank you. I don't mind if I do. And he said, yeah, I used to be pretty good at this game. So he goes over there and starts helping Barney and immediately uh, starts, Barney starts to pull a card to discard it. And Otis is like, <clears throat> you know, trying to get him to stop. And so he finally uh, agrees with Barney that, yeah, that's a good card to throw. And Barney throws it down. And then right after that, uh, we get this right here from Andy. What's the name of the game? Gin? Thank you. Don't mind if I do. Oh, shut up, Otis. Keep your opinions to yourself. What did I do? You steered me wrong. That's what you did. I never would have thrown that card. So who told you to? You did. So? So that's how he got it. Got what? Jim. Thank you. I don't oh, mind shut up, Otis. Oh, you want to make Yeah. Yeah. So Barney and Andy, or Barney and Otis, getting in a fight, getting an argument, because uh, there's my card. There's my card, is what Barney says right after that. And uh, goes on. So we, we lock up Otis. And uh, as he's getting locked up, you'll remember, he told him, please remember to wake me up. Wake me up at 8 o'clock in the morning. At 8 o'clock. Not one minute later. Not, not one more minute. You know, just 8 o'clock. You've got to wake me up. And so, uh, you know, of course, he has to shoo the elephant off of his bed. Because first, Barney tried to run the elephant out for him. But he said, no, no, you can stay here. <laughs> And then, and then he goes, you can, I said, you can stay in here, but get off of the bed, get off. You can't stay on the bed. So, you know, Andy ends up staying with uh, Otis that night because he and Barney had worked it out that uh, one of them would stay there with Otis. And uh, Andy said, no, no, I'll, I don't mind staying there tonight. And then Otis starts calling him Andy, Andy. So Andy comes out of the back room and he unlocks the door. Okay, so he unlocks the door of the cell. Now, this is one of the things that people uh, may or may not have noticed. So he unlocks the door. He leaves the key in the door. 
Okay, so he leaves the key actually in the door. Otis gets a drink of water, and he drinks like almost nothing. And he says, is that all? And Otis just lays back down. So Andy closes the door and then comes back. And when he comes back, he takes the key off of the hanger where it's always hung. Now, but what you never saw him do was take it out of the door and hang it up. So there was some time passed. It's possible. Maybe something else happened. I don't know. But that's a continuity error. So if you want to watch for that, you can definitely see that. So as you watch, you'll see him when he leaves the scene. He leaves. He, he leaves. The key was in the door at the time. He kind of closes the door and walks off. But you don't see him lock the door or anything. But then when he comes back, the door is locked and closed. And Andy has to reach up and unlock it again. He goes in to Otis and sits down and uh, does this memorable thing here. Fee, fi, fo, fun, fun, said the John. I smell the blood of the English. Poor Jack, he didn't know. So then, you know, the next morning, Barney comes walking in and uh, gets into there, and he thinks he's going to be mean to Otis, kind of. Now, the one thing I did notice during this episode is Andy and Barney and Otis are all drinking coffee, a lot of coffee. So I bet you, I didn't look, but I bet you there was a Sanka commercial that went along with this show. (laughs) I don't know that. Uh, and another thing I want to mention to you is this is the only episode of the Andy Griffith show that only has three characters in it. Uh, there's only three, Andy, Barney, and Otis, and that's it throughout the entire, uh, show. That's the only ones. Now there are some, uh, uh, extras. There are some extras in the background at some point, but, uh, they're not, they're not main characters, okay? So this is the this is the only episode that features only three characters from the Andy Griffith Show. Just so you know. So anyway, they, they, Barney's like, well, well, he said he wanted to wake up at eight o'clock, so let's wake him up. And he thinks Otis will be mad because he would want to sleep, but he's he's happy and he thanks him. Thank you so much. I just really can't appreciate. It. I'm so so happy that you woke me up because you you know thanks for not forgetting. And then he borrows Andy's coffee to get some to drink. So Andy lets him have some coffee and because something so important is happening. But I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm not telling you. Nope. No, not telling you. So he finally, you know, he drinks his coffee and he finally makes his way outside. And when he does, he still won't tell him what he's going to do. But he has this great line that uh, people have heard this before. But go ahead, Otis. Take a lot. Tick a lock. So you've heard Aunt B say it because she says it before. I can't remember how many other characters. Maybe Barney said it before. You guys have to remind me. But uh, he tells him, tick a lock because he's not going to tell him. Tick a lock. You're just going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. And so he leaves and Andy and Barney are standing around the courthouse still wondering what he was doing. And they're standing around drinking coffee. I mean, there's a lot of coffee being uh, drank during this being drunk, drank, being drunk, I guess, uh, during this episode. And they start hearing a horn blowing outside and they go outside and they find out, or well, Otis is hiding from them when they come out and he sets up in his car and says, Hey guys. And this is where we actually find out that Otis does have a driver's license. Cause Andy says, Otis, have you got a driver's license? He said, sure. I've had one for years. I just never had a car. Right. So, 
Anyway, you guys, I'm repeating the whole episode to you. You could probably just watch it, but there's, uh, I'm trying to think of things that I want to point out to you. So basically, uh, right after that, Barney pulls that whole routine there where he starts trying to get Otis to, uh, drive his car, but let's skip ahead here. So this is where we're at Otis's uh, house and he has the X X on the door. So after, after Barney has gone through the whole little scene, getting Otis to drive his cars and Andy's great line about, well, oh, you might fit in yours, but Otis ain't never going to fit in his. And he said, don't get facetious. And then just moments later, Otis walks in <laughs> and says, well, I ain't never going to fit in that. And uh, <laughs> Barney gets mad. Oh, it's so good. This is a great episode. Harvey Bullock is an amazing writer. So then right after that's when you actually get to see Otis coming off of his front porch and you see that it's got that X shape. Now, this is a very quick scene. So Randy mentioning it was it was hard to spot, really, unless you knew to do that because it was so quick. And of course, Barney had been saying, oh, yeah, he's going to follow Otis around because he's mechanized drunk now. And, uh, and, and nobody will ever see him except of course, Otis says, Hey, o- hey Barney, could you move this bicycle behind me? By the way, Otis's car, uh, it's tag number, which is used often is a Y three, two, one, right? So if you remember that, uh, it's a Y three, two, one. So, and Otis's house is, is also just like two houses down from Andy's. There's a house in between Otis's house, the one with the X on it in Andy's house. So that's how, that's how close they really are to his location. Now, Otis's car is a 1933 Ford model 40 Cabaret, I believe is the way you say it. Uh, but, uh, he drives his car. It's a hot rod, hot rod car. It's a nice, nice, uh, car, but he gets Barney to move the, <laughs> he gets Barney to move the bicycle and Barney's mad. Cause he realizes that, uh, Otis caught him. All right. So, Barney calls to report to Andy that he saw Otis go into Charlie Varney's house, uh, and there's a lot of noise going on in there. A lot of stuff going on in the in the house. So they drive over to Charlie Varney's house. Charlie Varney's house is the house with the X in it, as Randy reported, which was very good. I'd never noticed that. That's not something. There's other people had noticed this before, but if I had noticed it, I had forgotten. So I thought I'd make sure. Uh, we we got all the good stuff because Otis comes walking out of that door, which is the same door he walked out earlier. And uh, he's obviously been imbibing and he basically passes out there on the on the hood of his car. You know, so Andy and Barney come up with a great idea. We will fix him and make him think that he, uh, you know, basically they, they make him think he drowned. Right. So poor Otis. Uh, it's all he's drowned. And he is no longer alive. He died because he was drinking and he drove and uh, crashed his car into the river. And uh, so Otis is all upset. And Barney actually kind of gets upset, even just going along with Andy. And he's crying and Otis is crying. And then they come back in and they sing this song. We shall meet, but we shall miss him. There will be one vacant chair we shall linger to caress him when we breathe our evening's prayer we 
shall meet. And notice Otis, Otis joined in. And it's three part harmony, by the way. We shall linger to caress him when we breathe our evening prayer. <laughs> so Otis, <laughs> he goes back and lays down. He's crying. Andy and Barney come back in, throw water on him again, and make him believe that, uh, you know, oh, thank goodness you know i had a crazy dreams well you're probably not ever going to drive like that oh no i i wasn't going to do that anyway i don't before i I sold the car before i even uh before i even took my first drink and andy and barney kind of get this look in their face like oh oh so they didn't even have to do that to him to keep him from drinking and andy later says you know uh in the epilogue which you may or may not have seen uh, the end of that scene, Andy ends up doing fee fi fo fum and he starts telling about uh, Jack again. Uh, but as the in, as the credits there, as the epilogue begins, Andy says, yeah, it really restored my faith in him. Uh, it really did. And uh, so this is the scene that we end up with and the dialogue that I think is really special because this is what the Andy Griffith show is about, right? Otis has problems. He drinks. He shouldn't do that. He suffers with that. But listen to Barney talking about his friend that drinks. And, you know, this could have really happened to Otis if something bad had happened. And, and it really affects Barney. So let's listen. What's the matter? Oh, oh nothing. I, I was just thinking. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking, what if it had happened to Otis? It just might have, you know. Well. well I mean it. You know, Otis really is a nice man. And the way he goes around, something could happen to him. And then we never would see him again. I'd miss the old coochie on that. I really would. Well, nothing's well, We'd never happen. see him again. Never. <laughs> Poor old Otis. His silly round face. His wrinkled tie. Little pot belly. Just gone. Barney. The whole don't... idea of him never showing up on Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> you know, he... He really is a good fella, Andy. Never hurt anybody. No. Never said a mean thing. Don't try to hold it back. Just, just let it all out of your system. <laughs> uh, so Barney gets all upset, even just thinking about something happened to Otis. And you know what? I found myself as I was watching that and watching Don's performance and thinking about Otis, you know, I'd have got upset too. So thank you, Barney. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Andy. Wow. The three of them carried that entire show. And I just think that is an amazing thing. And if you'll notice, uh, as I said, during the singing earlier, the we shall meet, but we shall miss him. Barney was actually singing harmony in that. So he was uh, doing harmony to the melody. And then Otis kind of singing a bass type uh, sound uh, for for it. So you had Hal Smith, Andy, and Don Knotts all singing and doing a great job. And that's one of the things we always think Don can't sing, but he could. So even, even that 
realize that when Barney and the choir, when Barney was singing out of key, that's not easy to do if you can really sing. If you can really sing, it's hard to sing out of key like that. So again, Don Knotts, amazing, amazing actor, amazing guy. Uh, wow. And uh, this episode is one that I don't think really gets a whole lot of credit. Nobody usually listed it as one of their favorites. But I got to tell you, after watching it and kind of looking into it and really watching this, this is a very, very good episode of the Andy Griffith Show. And I am so glad that Randy uh, forced me to go through and look at all the pictures and grab screenshots because it made me watch it and really appreciate it all the more. So thank you, Randy Turner. Thank you for your report. And thank you for getting me to actually do my job. <laughs> oh, all right. So folks, let's, uh, let's go and see if we can play a little bit of trivia. I'll get a little background music for us. Uh, let's see. Our, here's our trivia background. There we go. Let's do a few trivia questions. You ready? All right. Question number one is true or false. The answer or the question is, Lydia was Goober's first girlfriend. Lydia was Goober's first girlfriend. True or false? Lydia was Goober's first girlfriend. True or false? All right. So uh, the chat room is with us. We got so the chat room. If you guys have never been a part of the chat room, we record on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so if you go over to live.twochairsnowaiting, you can join in and be in the chat room with the 35 folks that are in there right now. And they are getting the answer right to this. Lydia was Goober's first girlfriend. The answer is true. Uh, <laughs> Mike, uh, Kentucky Mike says, the cousins count. The cousins count. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Number two. Number two. What did Opie name his three orphaned birds? Ooh, got to know all three. What did What did Opie name his three orphaned birds? What, what did she, What did they name them? All right, all right. Not going to give you a lot of time. You'll have to think of them. People in the chat room are getting it right. I see. The answer is winking, blinking, and nod. Winking, blinking, and a nod. You could have, uh, you could have probably asked Barney. They talked to him. All right, number three. In Goober takes a car apart episode. In that episode, whose car was it that Goober took apart? In the Goober takes a car apart episode, whose car was it? Hey, you know, Andy, I just might buy this car. Well, it wasn't Floyd's. I'll give you that. It wasn't Floyd's. So whose car was it? Speed, speed, speed. It was Gilly Walker's. Gilly Walker's car. Number four. What day of the week did Goober dismantle Gilly's car? Ooh, I don't know this one. This is multiple choice, so I'll give it to you. I did not know this. What day of the week did Goober dismantle Gilly's car? Was it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday? So we're narrowing it down to a few days of the week. What day of the week did Goober dismantle Gilly's car? Let's see. Has anybody in the chat room got it? I'm not seeing the answer popping up. I did not know this. Was it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday? Uh, some folks are getting it. 
I'm gonna, they'll have to tell me later if they were guessing. But the answer, what day of the week did Goober dismantle Gilly's car? It was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. Hmm, good job for those of you that got that. All right, number five, true or false? Opie printed his own newspaper. True or false? Opie tr- printed his own newspaper. True or false? The answer is true. True. I'm going to give you another true or false one for number, what's this, six. True or false, Gomer wore purple socks on a date with Mary Grace. True or false, Gomer wore purple socks on a date with Mary Grace. True or false? Hmm. All right. Folks in the chat room, I think you're starting to pick up on it. The answer is false. He did not wear purple socks. His socks were yellow, I believe. And his tie was purple with acorns on it, right? Yeah. Ooh, ouch. If anybody missed it, that was a tricky one. All right, number seven. What word did Andy and Barney use to describe Mary Grace to Gomer? <laughs> what word did what word did Andy and Barney use to describe Mary Grace to Gomer? What word? Nice. She's nice. Real nice. Nice. Yeah, you know Thelma Lou, right? Yeah, she's nice. All right. Number eight. Number eight. Who replaced Barney as soloist for the choir concert? Who replaced Barney as soloist for the choir concert? Hmm. This is the last question. Who replaced Barney as soloist for the choir concert? Okay, so folks in the chat room are getting it. I'm going to give you a multiple choice of Andy, Goober, Gomer, or Sheik. I don't know who Sheik is. I should have just left that one off. Who replaced Barney as soloist for the choir concert? It was Gomer. Gomer Pyle did it. It was that episode, not Barney and the choir. How did you do, guys? How did you do? How did you do? You had eight chances. Did you do credit? Did you have fun? That's the main thing. Was it fun to you? That was the main, that's my main goal is to have a little fun with the trivia. All right, folks, it is time to head out of here. I am so glad to be here in Mayberry with you. I would love to hear from you. You can give me a call at 888-684-8415. You can email me at floyd at imayberry.com or just head over to twochairsnowaiting.com. There's, it'll tell you how to contact me. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think about the podcast, You know how bad it is, how good it is. Hopefully it's not. I don't really want to hear the bad ones, but I will take them. Uh, Again, I want to thank all my folks that are supporting the show. I want to thank you for being here with me. And I look forward to being back here with you again next week. Have a great week, everybody.
This summer, dive into the many cools of San Antonio. Because as soon as the temperature rises, so does the fun, the flavors, the excitement, and the many cool things that make our city the perfect summer getaway destination. Come keep cool with amazing pools at the best hotels, refreshing adventures both indoor and outdoor, inspiring history and culture, culinary wonders, and the hottest nights of your life at the coolest spots in Texas. To plan the coolest summer vacation, dive in to visitsanantonio.com slash summer.